0: Having disarmed principalities and powers, Jesus went on to triumph over them. Wow! That's something, isn't it? The devil has always made it about power, from the third who fell all the way to today. In today's world, religion is often used to buoy political power. It feeds the beast rather than to tame it. However, true religion is about freedom and disarming principalities and powers so that all people regardless of gender or ethnicity may be free no more power plays. no political posturing no we're right they're wrong just the truth that leads to freedom religion needs to point to that truth and the truth sets the populace free with respect to all humankind That's the witness we need to take to the world so that they may recognize the God we believe, the truth he provides, and the freedom that leads us beyond the victory of the tomb will carry us to the other side of the second coming. That's the triumph over principalities and powers of this earth. I'm Micah Mueller, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University. We have a A deep study in front of us today again, and an exciting one at that. And we have a panel of of guests, and I want to welcome all of you. I want to thank you for being on the show, and we look forward to all your contributions that you're going to bring to this. And uh, introduce yourself so that we can know who you are. Kelly, if you can start us off, and here's the clinching question. Have you ever been imprisoned?
1: Hmm. Well, my name is Kelly Jean Phillip. Uh, from Philadelphia, here in the seminary, uh, doing the MDiv program. Mm-hmm. And um, to answer your question, yes, many a times. <laughs> yes, tell
0: us about <laughs> Just a yes is not sufficient. <laughs> um,
1: there have been times where I felt that the world was literally closing in on me, and uh, it's not a comfortable feeling. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I'm Steve Toscano, and I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, where we have no such thing as winter. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And to answer your question, have I ever felt imprisoned? I would say yes. Uh, When I was younger, I felt that I was imprisoned by the uh, philosophy of secularism and worldliness. Hmm. And that did not allow me the freedom uh, that can be lived by that of a Christian. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank
3: you. My name is Don McBanoa. Thank you for welcoming me, Ica. I also want to welcome some friends from Australia who I'm sure will be seeing this. And I am an um, undergrad student over here okay. in Andrew University. And to answer your question about feeling imprisoned, um, I guess I would say my high school classes right before lunch, <laughs> Those, the clock would always run very, very slow. Yeah, that's probably one of the most
0: imprisoned times in my life. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. <laughs> I would probably, thinking about that, because our lesson is going to be all about freedom, I was thinking probably the time that I felt most imprisoned was, was a teenager. You know, you, you want to do things, you want to see things, and then there's still rules. Your parents have rules. People tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you have to go to school, and, and all these things. That was kind of an imprisonment time for me. <laughs> I want to get out of this here. I want to have some freedom. Well, that's the topic for our, our discussion today and Kelly, would you uh, read our opening uh, text and pray with us as sure. we begin the study? Absolutely.
1: Our opening text is found in Colossians 2 verse 15 and it reads, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let's heads for prayer. Papa nous qui dans le ciel là nous dit merci pour tout ça fait pour nous. Merci pour journée merci pour opportunité ça a eu nous Seigneur. Qu'on a dès que nous Bible nous balpallé à faire où nous m'aide où Saint Esprit où. Il avec nous ici là. Il bénit nous, ouvrit et mentalité nous pour nous qu'à comprendre plus de où. Bénis béni programme, là tout ça qui dit là au nom de Jésus. Amen. <coughs>
0: You have very interesting dialect coming from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for praying for us in Creole. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's, let's get started into our study. Uh, we're going right. to start off with Romans. Romans 6 is a, is a chapter about freedom. Mm-hmm. What is he talking about there? What mm-hmm. is Paul talking about in Romans chapter 6? Mm-hmm. You know, as I've studied this chapter,
2: uh, I, found, I find that this theme of being free is, uh, is found throughout. And the Bible specifies what Paul is addressing that we are to be free from. In Romans chapter 6, verses 18 and 22, for example, we find the answer to this. Romans 6, verse 18 says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And verse 22 says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So from what I've seen uh, studying this contextually, it seems that Paul is primarily addressing the freedom that we are to experience over sin and its power.
0: Freedom of sin. So that's a a really key concept for for Paul here, and he'll discuss that from from various angles. Uh, Other things you want to add to that?
3: Another paradigm I liked in it is um, in other translations it actually uses the word slaves for both sin and also um, to God. So I think there's a, there's a followership here that's going on, um, especially since the Roman, Roman Empire back then was predominantly made out of slaves. Mm-hmm. So I think this probably related to, to the people that Paul was writing to during this time.
1: So the language that Paul is using to make it more relational to the reader?
3: Yeah, exactly. Very practical
1: in their time.
0: He's using this imagery of slaves, that's Maybe. right, in several ways. And the phenomenal thing is he uses it in two ways, right? Mm-hmm. He says, you're going to be a slave to righteousness or you're going to be a slave to sin. The freedom that you have is in you having the possibility to make that choice.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: It's, fun- it's interesting that at the beginning there, it's... You can do either one, you can follow God, or you, you can be stuck in sin. And now you have that opportunity. Jesus gives you the opportunity to make that, that choice. And that is pure freedom that God gives right at the beginning there of uh, this, this whole chapter. Two things that he talks about, and we'll talk about that as we go along in this, this chapter. Another interesting point that I thought is, you know, growing up, as I uh, alluded
2: to earlier, I grew up in a rather, um, let's just say, secular environment. And as a young teenage boy, I always thought that being able to do my own thing, Mm -hmm. being able to make my own sinful choices and live it up in the world, I thought that was freedom. But according to this text, it's the opposite of that. That was actually slavery. And of course, growing up, I never would have seen it that way or thought of it that way. But the true freedom can only come through serving God. And that's just a beautiful thought that As I began to read the Bible for myself, I began to really see this impact me.
0: Kind of a reversal, right? Um, That freedom only exists in in God. And the reason for it is the destructive ways that we have, they end up in death. That's right. And with Jesus, we have life. And Paul will make that is why we have freedom, because we have the possibility to embrace life. What gives you courage, and in times of of difficulty, and and we all kind of face our our some people call it the inner demons or or evil. How do you deal with that on a daily basis, and how do you draw courage?
3: Myself, um, something that sustains me daily is knowing that God loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, such a very such a foundational statement. Mm-hmm. Um, very used very often that's right, but I think if we really get down to the what is it the basics. the basics, yes, and just clear out our minds of all presuppositions mm-hmm. I think the love of God is really, really, really deep, as um Romans eight um mm-hmm. speaks, I believe towards the end of the chapter, it says that nothing
1: can separate can us.
3: separate us from the from the love of God, and that mm-hmm. is one promise that draws me to God all the time and gives me encouragement, especially in
1: times of darkness and imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Another thing is, uh, this is actually something that I've come to realize uh, later on in my life, understanding this uh, biblical teaching that Jesus was tempted in everything. Mm. And uh, I've had that question, you know, posed to me by young people in my church. Well, they didn't have internet in Jesus time, (laughs) and you know, so far and so (laughs) forth. So I've had to wrestle with that question myself. And what we fail to understand is that here is Jesus, who is also 100% God, 100% human. He had the power to do whatever he wanted. So his temptation was how to not abuse in a way, you know, this divine power. And you have the flesh wrestling with the spirit in this constant battle and he was able to overcome that. So everything that I wrestle with within my own flesh, in some way Jesus experienced it. And since he overcame it, Mm -hmm. he tells me, don't worry, you have the power through me to overcome it as well. And once I realized that, I really began to say, you know what, this Jesus guy is for
0: real. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's maybe not in the particulars about Internet, right, or right. I have an iPhone and I'm busy right. texting, um, uh, not in that kind of thing. Right, right. But in the principle the, yes. of of that temptation, yes, people are the same
1: today as they, as were. they were back in the days. Mm-hmm. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: You know, one
2: text that comes to mind is Second um, 2 Chronicles twenty fifteen, where God is speaking to His people Israel about the different surrounding nations that they were to go to war with. And oftentimes these different nations would be more powerful than they, and much bigger in number. And the promise that God tells them, I think applies to us too, in a spiritual sense. You know, the Bible says that, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Mm -hmm. And I find that very comforting and encouraging, Mm -hmm. that no matter how big my trial or temptation may be, that the battle is not mine, but it's God's. in His strength, like you mentioned, Brother Kelly, in His strength, we can overcome, yeah. because by His grace, He says that that is sufficient. My, we, uh, Our weakness is made perfect in His strength.
3: Going into, a, or well, since we're speaking about imprisonment and freedom, I think one text that really jumps out to me, which is very familiar to us, is um, a text from John 8. Um, it's from verse 32 of that chapter. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm sure we've heard this so many times maybe references in movies and I think it's interesting that from John 8 it says truth sets you free now when yeah. you ask this question what is truth Um, Jesus alludes later on in uh, chapter 17 of John that your word is truth but then you ask what's what's the word it goes back to John chapter 1 and it pretty much lays it out that the, the word and truth is Jesus himself and so I, for me, it always goes back to Jesus somehow.
0: Mm. Jesus, the one who stands in front of us, who fights for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Jesus, the one who loves us. Jesus, the one, maybe I'll add one more thing, who is the victor? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, that gives right. me
0: a lot of courage to know that um, He went through it, yep. but He came out victorious. He came out victorious. Yeah. Um, knowing that somebody, I, I just had this experience recently, um, a friend of mine went on a trip through, uh, through the state. 150 miles on the bike in a single day Ooh. and uh, I've been biking with him for a couple of years now and we're about on par, we're, we're about the same cycler strength. I couldn't go on that date uh, that he went on uh, and I was like, should I do it myself or not? It's been one of the things I wanted to do, one of my bucket list items if you please. <laughs> and knowing that he had done it yeah. and knowing that I was, I I could keep up, I, I'm on the same level. Because he did it, I know I can do mm-hmm. it, too. Yes, And so I, I picked right. up my bike and I did it. And, and it was an amazing experience. Because Jesus did it, and he did it uh, uh, b- before we did it, he's the one that stands by our side, yeah. and, and he's the one that's going to go through with it. And that same friend that had done it before was in a car. He accompanied me the whole way. He was there with me. And uh, that gives you courage. Yes. Somebody is the victor as, as well. That's right. Now we talk about this idea that that there's still evil in this world. There's there's still a there's still a devil out there. There's Satan is still there's still evil out there. Jesus died on the cross. How come there's still evil in the world? How does that make sense at all?
1: Um, the way I wrestle with this concept is another cliche: the devil's defeated. Yeah, we've we've said that time and time again what that actually means is that his grip on us has been loosened by Jesus' dying on the cross. So every act of evil that exists nowadays, and the way I see it in my head, is just his desperate attempt to undo everything Christ has done. What he chooses to ignore, I would say, is the fact that he cannot undo something that God has already done. So it is just because sin, he is so rooted in sin, his nature is just to try to um, cause so much doubt in the minds of people through all this act of violence and, and you know, the most heinous thing you can possibly think of. But the fact remains is Jesus died on the cross, mm-hmm. yeah. and we are no longer bound by Satan. And he knows that. And so that phrase, "The devil was defeated," although cliche holds powerful truth in it because everything that's going on that's wrong in our world is just an attempt It's just his desperate attempt, mm-hmm. uh, his last you know fight or whatever you may want to call it, but yeah. I think that's the reason why this Cliches can sometimes be true, right? Yes. We had yes. God is love; that is true, and, yeah.
0: and the devil is defeated. So two yes. cliches that uh, have a lot of that meaning. That have too. a lot
1: of meaning. Yeah.
2: You know, when I think of this question um, as to why evil and sin have continued two thousand years after the cross, I immediately think of the great controversy um, between Christ and Satan. And once one statement that I found helpful in in addressing this very issue is actually found in The Desire of Ages, Mm -hmm. uh, written by Mrs. White. Um, And in that chapter, uh, following the chapter on Calvary, which was Jesus' death on the cross, Mm -hmm. she writes a very interesting uh, couple of sentences. I just wanna read in Desire of Ages 761. She writes, uh, speaking after the death of Jesus, yet Satan was not then destroyed. The angels did not even then understand all that was involved in the great controversy. The principles at stake were to be more fully revealed, and for the sake of man, Satan's existence must be continued. Man, as well as angels, must see the contrast between the prince of light and the prince of darkness." And so what I find, about, what I find interesting about that statement is that even after the death of Jesus on the cross, the angels did not understand fully all the principles involved in this great controversy, and so for our sake, for the sake of the universe, God has allowed for sin and Satan to continue to uh, continue on so that we can see the principles of God's government in contrast with that of Satan's government. Hmm.
3: Um, A Bible verse um, hits my mind when you say that. Um, in Second Peter three nine, it says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count concerning His promise, as some count slackness." I'm sorry, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm. When people ask me, why, "Why why is there still evil in the world? Why didn't we just go to heaven straight when when Jesus died?" I think a good answer would be, well, you wouldn't be asking that question if if that that happened, you know?
0: (laughs) You wouldn't be around to ask the question.
3: (laughs) So I think it's, yes, there's still evil going on in the world, but um, since God is so redemptive, um, He still allows it to be present so that we can be present and alive as well, and that we can also experience victory over sin through Jesus, through Christ.
0: Maybe a practical story to illustrate this. Uh, what we've been what we've been talking about. I, I had a situation with somebody who really wanted to do me harm, hmm. uh, and although I was in a position of authority, um, I could have just dealt with the situation right then and there. But all the people that that were looking on were like, "Oh, we know he's kind of a weird person and and a bit difficult, but but he still he has his good sides too, and he definitely did." And, and, he still does um, but there were some really important and, and grave issues that needed to be addressed but if I want to just stepped in and eradicated the situation not let it come up everybody would have said well you're the bad guy because you just got rid of somebody mm. yeah and so what needed to happen is this person needed to act out on his needed to mm. be in a in a situation where it became very apparent what his intentions were and they were not good and it became became very clear and at that point it was clear to everybody. Sometimes you have to let things go for it to become apparent. If we look at a cop, a cop can't just get the bad guy and, mm-hmm. and do something to him right there. You have a judicial process right. so that everybody can see justice has been served and it's been right and it's been fair. And that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. There is a judicial process that's going on. Sometimes you wonder, I well, mean, not, nothing's happening, but actually something is happening in heaven. That we don't have that, we don't have our eyes for that yet. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is doing something for us. And there's a judgment scene that's going on, and things are being sorted out. Yeah, that's right. And that gives me hope that things are being done fair.
1: Along the lines of the uh, judicial analogy that you just used, uh, the last verse in Songs of Solomon it says, For when God comes back, he will bring every work, whether good or bad, Mm -hmm. out into light and within that judicial process you know you have all the evidence being presented so when that final judgment or justice is served um, in the minds of the witnesses you know everybody says well based on the evidence presented justice has been rightly served and i think that's also part of the reason um, why sin still exists because satan's work has to be exposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the yeah. greater revelation, yeah, the, it has to be exposed. There are
0: two things, right? The exposing of, of what is bad, and at the same time, a fair process. And sometimes that takes longer, Yeah. but even if it takes longer, if the outcome is good, right. better good review and more time, rather than something that happens quickly.
3: Mm-hmm. What
2: I find interesting is that the insight that even after the death of Jesus on the cross, it was not even clear to the angels then uh, concerning the issues in this great controversy. And so you would think that after thousands of years of, of history that is filled with, with pain and misery, mm-hmm. suffering and death, that that would be pretty clear. But So I find that that's interesting that God seems to be um, waiting for something special. It seems to be that like Job, God is waiting for the manifestation of His principles of
0: grace in the life of His children. And I, I'm very encouraged by that. So then the question is, if all this is, is happening, what is our purpose here? Why, why does Christ need people on this earth to be His ambassadors?
1: I think that as we've been talking and discussing and unwrapping this great truth of, you know, growing in Christ and, and victory over sin, once you experience that in your life, we become part of this witness in favor of God's righteousness, I should say. So it's important that once we experience it in our own lives and we know how we've been freed, we've actually been released from this prison Mm -hmm. of sin and, and guilt and whatever you may have it, I will share it with you because that's the good news of Christ that's the good news of the Gospel, that is the Gospel, that Christ has come to give us freedom. Mm. And so it is very important because on a personal one-to-one level, I can tell you what Christ has done in my life and plant the seed and pray that He can only do the same thing in your life. Yeah, so I think we like are that, the that. most powerful witnesses of, uh, of Christ in that aspect.
0: Fantastic, thank you.
3: Here's another cliche for you.
1: No, no man
3: is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for an imperfect man to be in, in the endeavors uh, with uh, a perfect God, I think it gives <clears throat> um, testament to, to how God can use uh, an imperfect man and a fallen being. Mm. Um, and, and we see it in each other in other people mm-hmm. and how imperfect people are um, being perfected in Christ as they walk more and more within each day.
0: Starting off with fishermen Uh and making them into great apostles is a different story than starting off with a nobleman Mm -hmm. and and, uh, doing something productive with somebody that has had amazing (laughs) education and has all the benefits of society, right? So the transformation of it, Mm -hmm. that is an amazing testimony.
2: The beautiful thing too is when I think about the power of God's transforming grace is that all throughout the Bible, we read stories of God's followers that have weaknesses and shortcomings. Yeah. You know, King David comes to mind. Yeah, The Bible says at one point that he was a man whose heart was after God. But then we know, of course, David, he fell into sin and he uh, wandered away from God. But the beautiful thing is that God's grace is so powerful that it transforms us. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is that even in the book of Revelation, you know, after all of these final scenes of earth's history take place, you know, uh, you know, we talk about the mark of the beast and the image of the beast and so on and so forth. In the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 14, verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are my children, God's saying. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. I find that so beautiful that God can take sinners who are weak and feeble and turn them into saints that follow Him and that love Him.
0: Maybe I can take to add to that uh, the image that I used before that that trip that I did across the state. Um, somebody called me up before and said, "Oh, how are you doing? What's up?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to do this trip." And the person said, "You're never going to do it. You're never going to make it. It's impossible." And I did it. I called him up and I said, "I did it." And he was out just this last weekend uh, doing the same long stretch ride. That's, I think, what. We are supposed to be doing yes okay somebody has won the victory and now because I do it because you do it we encourage others to do the same thing as yes. well yes. it's this personal testimony that we can that we can share with others yes. that becomes the real thing and that's the amazing thing about uh, about our faith that's where it becomes practical yes um, this is where it becomes alive so this theory of the great controversy now becomes alive and when it comes to this practical thing the one thing I like about what what Paul said in, in Romans 6 to come back to this liberation. What does it do for your personal life? Well in, in Romans 6 verse 4 um, He uses this imagery of the baptism and he, as this answer to this imprisonment and this this freedom and he says so that we should walk in newness of life mm. and if anything should happen, I, I hope know. that that happens that we walk in, in newness, newness of life. Mm. That's how it should change us. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for all your ideas. There's much more that we could share. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to share some of the thoughts that we have, and I'm sure that the audience will have some thoughts as well. If you want to, if we'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter u.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School You, I'm Micah Mueller. We'll see you next week.